0: This is the Dorkside News Network and this just in.
1: Hey guys, this is the Dorkside News Network and Ed is just in. We have a, we have another interview going on. I'm James. I'm Richard. And I'm Frankie. And we have our first remote interview
0: and who, who what's your what's your name, sir? My name is Ed Cannell, and uh, I I am talking to you live from Portland, Oregon.
1: That is not Vegas where we live. So this is our our first uh, internet um, interview. So that's
2: why his place has so much more character character than ours does. (laughs) Like just looks cooler than the Las Vegas uh, drywall um, track homes. (laughs)
1: Yeah, exactly. So do you go by Edward or Ed?
0: Ed is just fine.
1: All right. So uh, uh, we know why you're on the show, but why would you say we wanted to interview you?
0: <clears throat> well, there could be a lot of reasons, but let's focus. Let's, let's be professional. Let's focus for, on the professional stuff. So I have been a um, game designer and game writer since 2001. Most recently, um, one of my good friends and, and co-writers, actually, we've, we've worked on a lot of games together, but we created a comic book called Invasion from Planet WrestleTopia. And um, uh, just just the elevator pitch: There is a disgruntled professional wrestler declares himself Galactic Champion of the Universe. A planet of alien wrestlers hears about this, use <laughs> it as a declaration of war.
1: <laughs> that sounds that sounds something I read constantly. That sounds hilarious and awesome. I hope it's hilarious and not a. Uh...
0: We think well. We we it's an actual. Comedy. The we, response yeah, we've yeah, gotten yeah. so far is very good to to both Matt and I. Both, we, even with video games, we kind of specialize in humor, uh, light and stuff. Um, I was even actually a, a I uh, was a contributor to the Onion for a year for that website. I
1: saw that on your resume, and that is
0: yeah. <laughs> I, I love that. Looter Suit Larry was one of the game we worked on together. We worked on some real fun stuff. If anyone's familiar with Twisted Pixel games. They made some real irreverent, uh, just goofy stuff that we worked on for them.
1: I feel like I uh, know um, Twisted Yeah, I, I, it sounds familiar. Is there any games that
0: you could say that I would not remember? Yeah, we, uh, uh, a big hit was Explosion Man. Oh
1: yeah, I remember Explosion okay, Man. Yeah, yeah,
0: I remember this. We worked on. Uh, they made <laughs> some titles: uh, Loco Cycle, <sighs> uh, Logo Cycle uh, yeah. the Gun Stringer was one I worked on. That uh, it was Microsoft Connect.
1: Uh, see uh yeah i don't have an xbox nor do i have a connect so i wouldn't have seen that one but
0: (laughs) a lot of people yeah um so uh yeah so it's we created this comic book we we self-published the first couple issues we actually found a publisher with starburns industries press it's the comic book publishing arm of starburns uh industries who brings us the rick and morty cartoons oh Oh, wow. wow
1: I was like, "Why do I feel like I know this name? I've, I've heard it before." Uh, that's sure.
0: why. That's their uh, their catchphrase. Uh, so they they're new to comics, but they've had a lot of success in television, with Rick and Morty and other things. And um, <clears throat> so they're they're creating kind of a niche for themselves. And, and the way they describe it is, uh, I'm trying to get this right, but uh, funny, uh, funny, sad, uh, touching. Uh, stories, you know. So Invasion from Planet Restletopia, for me, it's, it's primarily a, a comedy action title, but it's also a, a real story about the protagonist, uh, rock and roll Rory Landell. And he does have an emotional journey through these first this first story arc, which is six issues. Uh, the third issue is In the Can. So what's going to happen is Starburns is going to release, kind of re-release the first two and release the third for the first time electronically oh. and uh but at the same time they have a uh an issue called starburns presents starburns presents starburns presents number two will be out on free comic book day you know everywhere yeah because it's free so everybody's you know or every comic book store orders it because it's free uh but eight pages of our first issue invasion from planet WrestleTopia, will be in starburns presents number two on free comic book day so if you're going a Book you at your local you can pick it up see the first eight pages from issue one and you can see for yourself if you think it's worth your time oh that,
1: i already feel like i think it's worth my time That
2: that <laughs> is a huge deal i mean we we talk with a lot of indie comic book artists and and to have that kind of coverage is amazing i mean that
1: well yeah. and i'm also a huge fan of justin Ryland himself so just you being in with uh starburns is awesome is starburns yeah, a reference
2: really, to the guy from the um uh man community is is that what they mean
0: right, right uh so i think it's dino uh tough to pronounce his last names uh, stanatallis um uh, he is along with uh, he's one of the founders of of Starburns and he played i guess he played Starburns. that's on awesome the, <laughs> the, the actor so he's 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 an, you know he was the act, he obviously he was acting on that yeah. show but he's primarily i think a writer and a creator And co-founded this uh, with with Dan Harmon uh, and some other people. Founded this, uh, founded Starburns, and 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 so we were we were really lucky. You know, we're really lucky to find them, and we're really excited about being with Starburns. We, um, but we also think they were kind of the perfect fit for us because they they do want to do sort of irreverent stuff that's a little different, and and rich. In, in, are interested in humor, so they were, were I think a, a great fit, you know. And, and yeah, it is exciting to have a publisher and to be in part of Comic Book Day and, and um, being new at this and, and having published only two issues before we were able to find a home was was real exciting to us, you know. So, cool.
2: so who's doing what on the on the title?
0: Yeah, so uh, it's myself. You know, again, I'm Ed, uh, and my co-writer friend, Matt Enton, whom I've done a lot of, ga- written a lot of games and other things with, we wrote on a comedy action film called Lumberjack Man. very <laughs> uh, really proud of. And, um, but uh, so he and I r- created this thing, and we're, we're the writers behind it. And um, we hired some real professional artists. Um, your day jobs are writing for comic books, so we decided to um, you know, what could we do to to spend a lot of money? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and so, but no, but, but we we had this story about this wrestler who got really fed up with this promoter and and, and, and was denied his shot at the world belt, right? So Rory, the inciting incident is is Rory gets screwed over by the promoter. Promoter says, you know, I've changed my mind, I'm not gonna give you the world belt. So he gets pissed, makes his own belt. Out of just stuff laying around, and instead of cutting the promo he's supposed to cut, he goes on live, you know, uh, television right before this pay per view he's supposed to be on. He says, "I don't care about the world belt. I'm the Galactic Champion <laughs> of the Universe, brother." <laughs> and uh, uh, so that, of course, sets the whole thing in motion. The TV signal goes out into space. Now it takes some time, right? Yeah. Uh, so it's not mm-hmm. until like 15 years later. That the Russell intercept this signal and get pissed, and by that time, of course, Rory, like a lot of wrestlers, time hasn't been so kind. Yeah. He's like drinking away his sorrows in a bar in a small town, and no one knows where he is. But to answer your question, so we hired some professional artists to do this. It's it's a good looking book, and I don't know, how, you know, how much um, people can see. Yeah, I definitely.
1: Uh, that's an awesome cover. If, if you guys can't see it, you know, yeah. here.
0: Awesome, uh, awesome Schottie. art too. Yeah, Dan Schgotti, whose name no one can pronounce, but his <laughs> name's Dan Schottie, who's doing a lot of cool stuff um, um, for like D- Dynamite, uh, Dark Horse, uh, those kinds of, you know, For professional publishers did, did the art for the first three issues. Marissa Louise, our, our colorist, she does a ton of stuff. She works for DC. Uh, she's doing Hex Wives right now, which is a Vertigo title um and uh, uh lettering is done by um a larger world is the name of their company but uh, there's this guy dave lanfear who lettered the first shoes did a great job and um that's the kind of the core team for these first three and um so yeah it looks really great um there's a wrestling bear
1: You know, going going back to the story of it, it sounds when you said that there is a uh a a wrestler that declares himself galactic champion, I honestly believe I can think of at least five wrestlers that would probably actually do that in real life. Oh, for sure. (laughs) So it's kind of like a based on true life
0: story. (laughs) Yeah. Um yeah, I mean, and 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 that's that is the hook. Um and I, you know, so my my writing, you know, partner, my co-creator uh, Matt wrote some great dialogue, and um, you know, for the actual moment when rock and roll, Rory Landell, again our protagonist, makes this declaration, and I won't consider it bragging if I read it because it's not my dialogue, it's Matt's style. <laughs> but you know, he's yelling at the camera and he says, "And it don't matter where you go, Daddy, Venus." Pluto, Saturn, rock and roll Rory Landell is the champion of the universe. There could be a Martian 50 feet tall with 20 arms, each with 24-inch bicep, And I'd have him laid out on his Martian back, <laughs> one, two, three count. And with his, with his last smell of Martian breath, he'd say, Landell, you one rude rocking dude with a bat. <laughs> 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 yeah. that's not awesome mine. i'm not laughing at my own jokes.
1: <laughs> i i, really I laugh favorite. at my
0: own jokes anyway so <laughs> I, i'd do it no shame in it but that's one of my favorite bits really in, in the whole six issue arc is, is that,
1: that so you are also a writer for video games right yeah uh how did you fall into that because there's there's definitely a couple people i know listening that would want to get into that and figure out
0: yeah it's it, it's funny i mean it's one of those things where if you go around and you ask people like how did you fall into it especially people who've maybe been in it for quite a few, a few years now you'll you'll always get like some some a different story yeah which is not soup always super helpful but um <laughs> You know, I was just inspired by the uh, adventure games of old. You know, um, Sierra, like The King's Quest, and mm-hmm. uh, the old stars, uh, like Monkey Island was like my favorite. And I r- can really remember thinking, young, maybe not even in high school, but just thinking, like, man, this, someone had to come up with a story, say, for a Monkey Island, or mm-hmm. even a Leisure Suit Larry. Someone had to come up with these jokes. And I don't know who that person is, but I want to be that person. So it took me some time. You know, when, when I finally broke in, in 2001, there still wasn't a very clear path to breaking into video games. But I um, broke into a studio called High Voltage Software out near Chicago as an assistant producer. And I, I got that job because I was a little overqualified for it, I had an MBA. <laughs> And I even take started taking some programming classes because I heard that, you know, I knew I'd never be a programmer, but I heard that if you knew a little programming, you're at getting a game design job was greater. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I snuck in as an assistant producer, started learning the ropes there. The high voltage software is still around. Great studio to start because they do everything in-house, all the art, all the programming, all the sound and audio, had a studio. They even had a motion capture studio, which was state-of-the-art at the time, Um, and of course, you know, game designers there as well. So um, I spent five years at that studio learning everything, transitioned to a sort of game design creative role, and that's where we got the the Leisure Suit Larry game, kind of fell in our laps. Uh, Vivendi Universal was looking for a developer to make it for them, and we somehow got it a lot of writing in there, obviously. And it kind of fell to me. And I did, I guess, well enough with the, the writing and the humor to, 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 you know, for the rest of the team to say, okay, great, take it and run with it. We, we hired Matt because there was so much of it and he did, came in did a great job and both him and I somehow managed, you know, to, to, the writing was pretty well received by by people who are into sort of crude, crude humor.
1: Um, that's definitely me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we I were, I love uh, the dirty jokes, dad jokes, puns, all that stuff, and it all that's definitely a leisure suit Larry thing right there.
0: Certainly not everybody loved it. I think Gaber <laughs> gave it a five out of a hundred, if I remember. Correctly. <laughs> that's gonna hurt your heart. <laughs> Uh, and but but the, the, a lot of people really responded at least to the writing part and um, so f- after five years of being at that studio the, the industry's small I'd made a lot of contacts I was the studio hit kind of hard times I was laid off along with a lot of other people and Matt was laid off that's actually instantly when we started we were unemployed and we started getting together at his apartment in Chicago and coming up with ideas for stories and we were, we were actually writing scripts plays at the time and and one of the stories was this invasion from planet russeltopia and we we, which we originally wrote as a screenplay but um um what happened was people started calling me for gigs and and this to, to do some writing for their game and this is 2006 and honestly i i think there maybe were a handful of freelance game writers at the time that that i was aware of and I certainly didn't think it could be a full-time job at all. I was like, okay, fine. This, this will be some money. And, you know, this is better than nothing. But <laughs> I had no plans to pursue it as a full-time job. But, you know, things kind of snowballed and word of mouth. And, and I gradually, I did have to take a job for a while, but I gradually got, got started getting enough writing gigs to where I was able to quit that um, that job, uh, which was sort of a just a bridge job, I guess, or whatever, and and just do this full time. And now it's 2019, and it's been getting you know progressively better. The, cl- the quality of clients has gotten better. The jobs have gotten better. The I, I, I got to work on Mario Rabbits Kingdom Battle. I saw that
1: 19- also. That's
0: uh, that was yeah. a
1: strange, awesome combination of things to happen.
0: Blast um even the stuff i'm working on now i'm really i am working on this always sunny philadelphia mobile game just really <laughs>
1: oh, that's gonna yeah that, that'll probably do a lot of people like that i was looking at the um the list of games that high voltage is, is currently making still just <laughs> yeah. just so people know like it, it, there's they're still around because he was saying like you know they, they hit some hard times they actually made um, injustice and we were just talking about that in our last podcast
0: oh did they okay um <laughs> Now did they make it, or did they help with like the deal some dLC or stuff like that or was uh, that them?
1: it's it was, so all I have is under Wikipedia games developed yeah, so it, it could be uh, half yeah. credits or and yeah, just, is so so a I lot of that, yeah.
0: um, they were were one of the developers for sure. I think they helped out for sure with that i I think a lot of it done I think it was a, done by a couple of different developers, but yes yeah high voltage did uh contribute to that for sure
1: which is funny because our last segment on our last podcast that we recorded right before we started the interview with you we had an entire segment on how story plays into video games and if it's important or not and (laughs) i mean yeah here you are telling us yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) i should have come last time
2: (laughs) well so what what is your thought like so our, our our segment was talking about how uh at least for american video games there's been a a large migration of games that were traditionally story-based kind of migrating to just multiplayer and mm. PV, you know kind of c- competitive pvp and how there's a couple yeah go ahead
0: you no know, as i say there's a there, right now what i hear from my my uh, sort of colleagues is that publishers, you know, the people who finance video games and the people who really are, are kind of have their finger on the pulse of what's selling as mm-hmm. much or more than anyone are not investing much in the single player experience. For this, exactly what you said, what's, what's hot right now, what people want these big multiplayer experiences, you know. So, the emphasis so if if you're interested in making a single player experience a strong story you're, you probably need to have the money to finance that on your own
1: you i feel like you need to have the money to finance that or you have to have a big name behind you like square enix or something if yeah. you say like yeah. I, i'm one of those people where if it was like square enix just made another game uh we're not even gonna tell you what it's about now but like, okay i'm buying it <laughs> yeah uh, i don't
2: know but i'm buying it in <laughs> black box it just says square, <laughs> square enix
0: <laughs> i'm almost i'm 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 a i was a telltale fanboy. boy i mean i didn't get everything that they made because i just didn't have time but i i i that was my right up my alley right
2: i morning, you know. i i love the telltale games and i I continued to buy them for about three games before I realized I didn't have time to actually play them. And I was yeah. like,
0: yeah, no. you still can play them. I hope you are still able to.
2: And I, I would like to take this to segue
1: into another one of my favorite games. Borderlands as a tales of Borderlands games, but that's, I just have to mention Borderlands and uh, basically all of our podcasts. So,
0: <laughs> Oh, sure. Yeah, I've never played them in my life, but yes, they're great. <laughs> uh, i I know a lot of, lots and lots of people love those games.
1: So, do you think, um, because we had this conversation just recently, do you think games' um, stories are declining from uh, games past, like on older consoles, like Super Nintendo, and, and oh, like original PlayStation stuff? Do you think the stories are just they're just disappearing?
0: Um, I think that for the games in which the, the story is quite important. I actually think the writing and storytelling is getting better. We're just, you know, as you would expect, right? We, mm-hmm. the video game industry is quite young. Uh, people would compare who, if you if you're going to make a comparison to the film industry, people say, well, we we might still be in our silent movie era, yeah, young. But as you would expect, things like the the writing, the storytelling, voice acting are all getting. But perhaps those that num th- those types of games where the story is really important, uh, the number of those is perhaps yeah game right now. But I, I don't think that's forever. I know? sure
1: hope not, because those are the types of games I like to play. Well, I don't like to have an internet connected. I must play this on the internet game all the time. I want my Final Fantasies and I want my I just tales and- I just
2: think he brought he, he touched on a key point because um, Spider Man came out. God of, God of War yeah, came out. Yeah. These are some amazing, great story-based games, but whereas everything else is sort of multiplying, I feel like we're getting the same number of story-based games that we used to, which feels like not very many. Yeah, because yeah. there's so many.
1: I would like to point out too the two games you mentioned were on PlayStation 4 exclusive, so uh, <laughs> uh, <geez. laughs> and,
0: uh, and you can't like fine Naughty Naughty Crackdown, da- <laughs> da- PlayStation exclusive, maybe still. Um, the stuff they do with Naughty Dog is so great because I mean the, the stories are, are the same quality the stories are, are, are amazing quality but the gameplay is also there yeah it's I nice.
1: absolutely love Naughty Dog I do I feel, love me some Jack and Dexter yeah I, I feel like it's the same with uh, Bioware and Bethesda except recently they've
0: kind of been like eh. Yeah, it's been a while. I I I went through. I mean, when I when I when I was more of a PC gamer, I played a lot of BioWare, and I I haven't been a PC gamer in a while. But um,
2: so, what do you play now?
0: What's that? I'm sorry. What do you play now? Uh, So I have not much to tell you the truth. But um, we're a console family. I actually have all like I have. So I'll tell you this real quick. Uh, We moved into this house where the owners left behind two televisions. Here, you can have them. So I was like, all right. So they had this, 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 this den. And I, and I was like, I told my kids, I'm like, this will be your game room. So like most families, we had two TVs already. So now we have four. So I have three TVs in this game room. Each of My boys, they're kind of spoiled. They each have their own Xbox. So they don't so they don't have to fight over an Xbox. They each have their own TV. And then on the other TV, I have a Switch and a PS4 with a uh, VR. And I play almost. I never get to touch them. Like I never, <laughs> I'm I, like, you know, too busy. They're always in there playing. Um, I have Steam. I don't play it much. So I, so I guess if I'm playing something, it's it's on. You know, it's on a console. I don't. I don't even really have PC per se anymore.
1: But I don't think. I think he's seeing PC. He's not Master Race now. That's that might be blasphemy to some people. Not for him. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and probably. Most of the stuff I, don't, for whatever reason, of the games I work on tend to all be console games, or at least uh, some of them are on Steam, but but they're all all of them on a, are on a console, or a, or I guess my I could play them on my iPad. Like, mm-hmm.
1: So you being a writer, I do have a, an interesting question. So I know Steam has been very wishy-washy. They're trying to not um, segregate their audience, but. How do you feel about censor- censorship in the games? Because Steam is having an issue with that right now. And um, have you ever had to do anything where you wrote something that was had to be censored
2: or not?
0: Oh, let's see. I mean, I haven't run into this, you know, issue myself. Um,
2: For someone who's worked with Leisure Suit Larry, that seems like something yeah. that you would have <laughs> yeah. you would have hit.
0: <laughs> yeah. No. Somehow we just we got away with so much stuff. I'm like, I can't believe. <laughs> If they would have really, I think, there's so much um, stock content in that game. I think whoever was in charge <laughs> of the ratings, had they actually gone through and listened to it all, it would have never shipped, right? Um I don't know. Uh, Steam is... Obviously, they're, they're one of the, the biggest distributors of PC games. They, they kind of... Uh, but, but they don't have a monopoly, quite right. Like if I, I can simply, I, I guess you know, uh, if they ban a game from Steam, that's um, that's really rough for the the developer as far as distribution and yeah. reach. It's not the only place that they can support simp-
1: their game. But that's so the other Steam- thing is I feel like if someone's like, "Oh, my game was banned on Steam," you're like, "What did you do?" Because it yeah. doesn't happen <laughs> often. I mean, there was recently a game that was the entire game was to rape women, so that one was banned.
0: Yeah, I mean, they have to have their own. They have to have some 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 standards yeah. somewhere, and I guess they get to choose what those standards are because at the end of the day, they are uh, they're not like like sometimes I think we think or you know, there's a tendency sometimes to think about Steam like we would think about the public. Uh, radio waves or the public airwaves that really belong to the public, and so you you would want to have a vigorous debate on what's being banned from the the, the, the these these airwaves that are owned by the public, and but it seems as a, you know Valve is a private corporation. Is,
2: isn't that interesting though? Because the the airwaves are owned by the public, but the fiber that was built by the government is not owned by the public.
0: No. I didn't think about that. I
2: didn't <laughs> we, think about that at all. Right? Like it's, it um, feels like it should be the opposite. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you're 100% correct. I mean, that, that's how it is in reality. I just don't know why, like how we came to this place.
1: And I think it's the other thing that's interesting, too, is there's a lot of people that, I mean, they, they know that other, other um, launchers exist, but they don't really care. They just think that if your game didn't make it on Steam... Then you're doomed on PC, but you're not. There's, I mean, there's the Epic Game Store. We just talked about that. Whoa, Origin. whoa, whoa!
0: Let's talk about the original, like the Nexon launcher. The,
1: oh God.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um. It, it, and the thing is, um, Steam is. Uh, I mean, it, it comes somewhat. I mean, it, it is somewhat of a commercial decision, right? I mean, there mm-hmm. there becomes a tipping point where having you know if having the rape simulator. Is really offensive and angering to a lot of your customers, and you know what what good is it doing? Yeah,
1: for- if only ten percent of your player base is going to like the game, and the other ninety are going to be pissed off about it. I hope ten percent aren't. <laughs> yeah, hopefully it's less than ten percent. Yeah, of their re- <laughs> that was a spitball. I mean, maybe <laughs> I don't know. Some people are weird. Uh, <laughs> so we got to we got to derail for one second, and I have to ask this question. Um, there's a celebrity who's celebrating a birthday, <laughs> and uh, he's celebrating his 50th birthday, and every interview we've ever done, we have to ask, what are your thoughts
2: on Paul Rudd? Paul Rudd?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I I I think I love Paul Rudd. I love that. <laughs> he knows the right answers. Yeah. Uh,
2: we haven't
1: gotten a I hate Paul Rudd answer yet, so.
0: I, I love that he plays that Mac and Me uh, movie clip. On, on when he goes on Conan to promote other films Have you seen that? <laughs> yeah. No, I have not <laughs> uh, so Apparently he's got this running joke with Conan O'Brien Where he'll, I mean this has been like Ten years yes. or more He goes on Conan and Conan's like Okay great, let's, thanks Let's let's see a clip of your new movie Ant-Man And then they'll cut To this, this, that movie Mac and Me Like a clip of this Ridiculously bad movie And it's the same clip every time <laughs> And they'll yeah. come back Conan will pretend to be pissed, and Paul Rudd—it's it's really funny. They'd have compilation video of it on somewhere.
2: That's there. awesome. He's like Rick rolling him. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: He like Rick rolls Conan.
1: Everywhere. We're hoping uh, Paul Rudd is like the like uh, Beetlejuice, and if we say his name enough times, he'll just come on the show once. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, he's probably a busy guy. Uh, but it could happen. I don't know. He's got to go to Vegas at some point, right? Yeah. And I mean, he like, can't be that busy if he's
1: a vampire because he just doesn't age. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> they, they all come. I mean, every celebrity comes through Vegas at some point. Maybe he can. Yeah. yeah maybe maybe, maybe
1: yeah. we. I mean, Nicolas Cage lives here, so maybe a, he knows him. I don't know why he would, but. <laughs> yeah. I, I like.
0: Uh, one of my security guard, guard friends. friends. I feel like Nicolas Cage is, should not it's not good for him to live in Vegas. I feel like he should. <laughs> yeah. He should
1: probably definitely not be here, especially if he's going to marry women overnight and then get an annulment four days
2: later. No, that's why he lives here. That's why, that's why he lives here. <laughs> he might've gotten stuck like, with her like somewhere else.
0: I feel like he needs to live in like Norman, Oklahoma.
1: <laughs> so are you a fan of the, uh, the Marvel universe at all? The Marvel cinematic universe?
0: Yeah. I, I will just see any superhero movie I don't care what it is. I kind of like them all. I, I started really going because my kids were, were small when they started this thing.
1: I'd like and- to uh, challenge you on that for a second, though. Any superhero movie, right? So I, I have two that a, a large portion of not even the American audience, but the world audience has never seen. And okay. they're both superhero movies. One is Steel, starring Shaq. Oh, and- no, I didn't see it was weird. And then the other, I'm trying to get my girlfriend to watch right now. She's, she's fighting me. It's called Pootie Tang. And it's probably the dumbest, uh, <laughs> it's probably the dumbest like, superhero movie ever, but it's so funny.
0: That's a superhero. Well, is it a comp based on a comic
1: book? I don't know but, if it's based on a comic book, but it's, it's supposed to be like, he's an American superhero who I, I don't get it. I, I don't even know how to explain him.
0: Yeah. No, I should say I've seen, you know, I'm up for any, any of these new Marvel movies. There we go.
1: There, there's, there's the line. <laughs> I'm he didn't even say DC. So, yeah.
0: No DC. I will go. I, I have. I have seen all these newer DC films. Did you see uh, Shazam? Uh, not yet. I mean, but it just came out. Okay. Right? We, we, yeah. It just. Just. You got to give me like. I'm never the first person to see it. Like I, I'm, He's I'm always a busy guy. I see things. I play. If I play a game or see a movie, it's like um, two or three months after everybody else. But all I right. get. Um. I yeah I I'm I'm pretty easy to please. My expectations are well calibrated for superhero stuff. Um. Uh. And and so yeah, I started doing it when my kids were small. It was really cool to take them to movies. And now they don't give a shit at all. (laughs) Fifteen and thirteen. So it's really it's like me by myself. I'm trying to finish out the Marvel.
1: Yeah. At least this saga, because Marvel's still going on after this. There's a hundreds. (laughs)
2: Did, uh, did you read Marvel comics? Do you read?
0: Uh, yeah, I'm not a big, huge. To be honest, and I'm huge into comic books. Okay. But as a kid, absolutely. I remember like Daredevil. I think was my first, um, my first like uh, comic book. You know, well, that's
1: probably why he's not in the comics. He started with Daredevil, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> it, it was the first comic book hero that I really, really gravitated to. But I was—I remember when I was really young, I was into them, and pretty in, into them pretty consistently up until around the age of like fourteen, and then I really stopped with the superhero stuff. I would still get into anything that was kind of funny. Like I still would read the Tick, or uh, <laughs> Gru, Gru was still funny to me. Um, milk and Cheese, you know, was was fun, and would dip my toe into the occasional like. The graphic novel or something, but by and large, and then doing actually WrestleTopia now for the last couple of years has gotten me back into wanting to read comics and care about comics. And but for me, so it's been a lot about like filling in a bunch of gaps, like sure. Oh, Alan Moore w- Swamp Thing, cool. I started reading that like last six months ago. I started to read that for the first time in my life, and um. Uh, the Invisibles—I had never read, and you know, lots, lots of stuff that that comic book fans probably read a long time ago. I'm just catching up with it and enjoying it a lot.
2: Do you do you buy them or do you use like Comicsology Unlimited? Or
0: I do both. I have a pull list. I know my my local comic book store is actually uh, Other Worlds Planet, Other Worlds uh, Comics and Games in Hillsdale, Oregon. in or Portland. Portland. Um, I have a pull list. And I'll, like, I'm reading Heroes in Crisis now is, is, is kind of interesting um, what else oh I love uh, Jeff Lemire I really like all his stuff so Gideon Falls for example um, and the Black Hammer stuff I'm really digging so I have a pull list at my local Comicsology is nice for when it's like oh I can't find I have, you know like Ron at the comic, my comic book store will have like issues one three four five and six <laughs> I, I need yeah. two yeah so um yeah i'm gonna and, and read it right away have you ever heard of a comic called chew
1: no i don't think so so this is when i keep trying to push on everybody i don't know if anybody's gonna like it but i loved it so the concept was this guy has a kind of like a superpower where whatever he eats he he sees the last moments of that that whatever it was like So if he eats beef, he saw the last moments of that cow's life. And you can imagine it's probably not pretty good. Um, But he uses this. He becomes a detective and he would go to the crime scene and he would eat pieces of the body to figure out how they died. And he would, you know, he would would be right every time because that was his power. Mm -hmm. But so he would have to eat the corpse to figure it out. It was really strange and really awkward, but it's just it's out there.
0: It's pretty brilliant. You know, if that were me, I'd be like, I don't care who killed him, and I'm not going to find out. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, I don't I, need to eat them. <laughs> you,
2: you have the superpower, and you're like, I don't ever use it.
0: Could, could you eat, like, one of his fingernails? Yeah. And, they didn't really
1: go into it, as long as it was a, a attached to him at one point, I think, or to the person.
0: So you I wonder, fingernails. If, I wonder if he had to be tricked, like his, you know, the other detectives would be like, hey, you want a donut? And then they you know, flip in like some flesh from them.
1: We We know that he has to eat body part. Here, eat this hand. Ha <laughs> 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 it wasn't his hand. It was somebody else's hand.
0: <laughs> Good God. Yeah, they're getting. Uh, they're getting I would actually be interested in checking that out. Yep. Um, like morbid. It's weird. I, I tend to write, like I said, even for video games, more lighthearted comedic stuff. That's what I enjoy, t- enjoy writing. Uh, but when I'm just reading for pleasure i love reading just sick morbid like uh homicide detective procedural books and just just, i love that i love that kind of like dark stuff i don't know what's wrong with me
1: no there's nothing wrong with you that's i think that's where everybody like everybody has this this idea of superheroes that they're all you know wonderful and stuff and they're always good but the ones that have a gray line or sometimes even a darker line um it makes them more interesting makes more human i think
2: so yeah, what yeah. what video game do you wish they had tapped you to to write something for or or what new game like doesn't exist yet that, that you would have liked to be picked for
0: Um I you know being a freelancer and working out of my home from Portland mm-hmm. I get to work on a lot of cool projects, but, but what you tend to see are, are, are studios for whom hiring a full-time writer doesn't really make sense. And those, so the type of like big, like, like a naughty dog, like um, The Last of Us, mm-hmm. which I love, and uh, those type of games tend to always use like full-time writers. I've never, so so the, the big one for me would be work on a game that just, Seamlessly blends a great story and just great action, like The Last of Us. That would be like my, you know, my dream. Not necessarily even to work on The Last of Us Part Two or Part Three, but something like that it, it is unlikely to happen for me. Probably, but that's
1: that's fair. I think you know, in terms of story, in the last ten years, Last of Us being at the, almost at the top of everybody's list in writing. That's that's a good choice to
0: pick that yeah. one. And then and then and then there is i love doing comedy so doing more like uh, there needs there there there's surprisingly few just straight up comedy in video games where Mm -hmm. it's just like yeah we're it's a first person shooter but it's but it's you know like no one lives forever was people love that game i think there's no one lives forever too i don't know if you remember they, i think it was actually before the austin power movies but it but it starts the, the the you played it was first person shooter where you play like a british special agent and she kind of had like a kitschy you know 60s kind of go-go dress on and it was a, the whole thing was a kind of a parody of um, you know films and and that kind of stuff and it, it did well and it was very funny and there's just very, very few games like that. Oh, well, I'll tell you another one that got away. Like, I would love, I would still love to do it was, I was briefly the writer for Duke Nukem Lives Forever. Oh,
1: <laughs> That's one of those ones where you're like, it's cool that I was attached to it, but I'm glad I'm not now because it, it didn't
0: do <laughs> well, so well. It, it, it was, that was really the one that got away because while it was being developed and it was, this was late in the development, they had tapped me to work on it. And we, we kind of retroactively fit a story on top of the existing game, which was almost finished. And I was just about to start write right dialogue when 3D realms shut down. And, and I mean, in my mind, at least it's gonna be really cool and really funny. You know, like like we don't see too many first person shooters that are like, remember the old action, movies of the eighties where it was just fun. It was violent, mm-hmm. but it was- oh, yeah. F- yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger, it was fun and funny.
1: Wolfenstein and Doom fall into those.
0: Yeah, I w- would love to do a big, stupid action comedy first-person shooter.
1: Which is it's- funny because we just reported in the news recently. I think it was two or three episodes ago that Duke Nukem is coming to Switch in some form or another.
0: And I forget, oh, yeah. I forget what it was. Well, but- that is still around, I still you know someday. And then also we talked about the adventure game, like the old Monkey Island stuff. Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess if I was to get even more specific, if they were ever to do yet another, like the monkey, the Telltale um, sort of reboot, I thought was great. Played it, I loved it. I thought it was fun. If they ever did that again, that would be my like. I would work on that for free.
2: <laughs> Have you ever seen? Um, Someone's gonna like play this back to you. <laughs> yeah,
1: you said free. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever seen uh, the trailer yet for Trover Saves the Universe? Troma Saves the Universe? Trover Saves the Universe. So it's made by Squanch Games, and Squanch is a Justin Roiland and Dan Harmon uh, company. I had no idea. Yeah, they are making their own game, and it is exactly (laughs) in the same vein as uh, Rick and Morty would be, but different characters. But it's their voices, their art, their everything. Oh, wow. I, I had no clue yeah that's why i was like maybe if you say you can, you know you like the the comedy games look look into squatch games they're doing some interesting things
0: <laughs> that's really it's really really interesting I, and I i almost one of my heroes is ron gilbert who was um kind of the mastermind behind the monkey island games he kind of created that franchise i almost got to work with him um when he was over at Hothead Games in Vancouver and he was making, uh,
2: oh, Jesus, he was making
0: like a Diablo, uh, parody, which I thought was really funny. And uh, the name escapes me, but I almost got to work with him and it just didn't work out. Yeah. I,
2: was- I think earlier you, uh, you compared the video game industry to the movie industry. Yep. Yeah. And I do think, like, like because somebody was complaining to me, so, somebody who, um, I don't know. She, she was just like a stereotypical, like not, not geek person. Yeah. And she was like, What, Captain Marvel? Why are there so many superhero movies every year? And I was like, Wait a minute here. There's over, there over 25 romantic comedies per year. I looked it yeah. up. O- over 25. I was like, So actually, just by odds, there actually should be like another eight superhero yeah. movies per year, every year, forever. <laughs> um, but Plastic Man. But on the other hand, there isn't um, in the in the video game industry. I, I I think there's a shortage of funny. I do think there's a shortage of
0: comedy. Yeah, it, it's I, I, yeah, and I think quite honestly, if you're a talented comedy writer, you probably you know working in Hollywood, right? Like that, yeah. You you you're probably make, you, you'll make a lot more money. Working in Hollywood. Um, and I just, I don't know. I, I mean, I just I th- think, that, yeah, the mentality of most game developers is is that that personality wise, there may be more into fantasy or sci fi and not so much making goofy, silly stuff. Uh, I don't know. But yeah, there's a real uh, dearth of it. Yeah. You know? I-
2: I think um I think technology wise the funny video games feel like as far as polish goes a lot of times they're a little bit behind how smooth and polished the like the pure action games are. And so and so it's yeah. harder to get into, it's harder to like to just sit down and start playing.
1: So I, yeah. I have a comedy series that you guys might like to play. What's that? It's right. called Borderlands.
0: <laughs> Okay, That might be a good example because I, I think, you know, to your point, I think a lot of the studios that will sort of take a chance to be, you know, irreverent and silly might be the smaller studios that, that don't have the budgets and don't quite have the tech, but, but there, are, there are exceptions, right? So it might be like Gearbox. I haven't played Borderlands, but it might be that Gearbox is one of those studios that has the money, has the talent, has the technology, and, and has the degree of independence to say, we're just going to make this goofy and we don't care if...
1: And there's you know. there's something to that, too. I think that if you were to look at the history of video games and you just pick out your own video games and you think, you know, what video games stand out in your head, um, you, you might end up with more funny games than action-oriented games. Or Because, like, if you say, ask me, you know, I'm going to say a lot of Final Fantasy games because that's my thing. But I'm also thinking of stuff like Crash Bandicoot and Conker's Bad Fur Day. Gecks enter the gecko. Those are all like really funny games and that was why I liked them so much.
0: They stand out if you if if you get the humor right. Yes. There's a lot less uh to compete against it. Or I don't know if that's true. I mean but there's it just stands out, right? Yeah. Yep. All and games.
1: going back even further, you got Boogerman and Toe Jam and Earl. You got, those are <laughs> those are yeah, some interesting all, games
0: too. Even Larry. I mean, you say Leisure Larry and um, even like my parents who are hit, approaching 70, you don't know who Leisure Suit Larry is.
1: <laughs> he's just a guy who's down and out and just can't get lucky any time. He's yeah. <laughs> lovable,
0: lovable loser, you know. Yeah. He's, he's
1: well, yeah. I think Oregon time is pretty late, so I think we don't want to keep you up uh, much later. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> he's like,
2: I'm falling asleep right now. Uh, you want to... <laughs> You want know, to pitch anything a, uh, to remind anybody?
0: Uh, just you know, free comic book day. I think it's uh, what is it, May fourth, Saturday. It's a yeah, Saturday. It's usually, yeah,
1: it's usually it's usually Star Wars day. I think is when May comic fourth, book day falls
0: on Saturday. So you know, please go to your local comic book shop and buy something. Uh, preferably buy planet uh, invasion to planet planet well i would say you know for free you can get starburns presents number two and there's a lot of good stuff in there so there'll, there'll be pages from from invasion from planet WrestleTopia, which is our comic book um and which will then be available digitally on comiXology the first three shoes should be available right, right around then but then in the starburns presents number two there's also a great uh, story called Nasquatch, which is a uh, NASCAR uh, driving uh, Sasquatch. <laughs> there is a, uh, b- uh, a, 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 com- a story in there called B Squad. They've got a, a t- an ongoing title called Licious, who which is kind of like um, Calvin and Hobbes, only if, if Calvin were in hell and his dad. <laughs> <laughs> parents mm-hmm. were like satan um i think
1: this entire line of comics is something that I'm, I'm more suited towards
0: honestly please go pick up starburns presents number two there's going to be a lot of really cool fun interesting funny stuff in there besides rustletopia so um there'll be something there that that you'll people will, will gravitate absolutely to. so um yeah, but, but thank you. This was really, this was uh, a lot of fun. Uh, Frankie, I no, I'd love to see, get a glimpse of Frankie before to get here. Well, he's trying. He's...
2: If you watch the video afterwards. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey, Frankie. <laughs> but thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. And uh, I feel honored to, you know, be the first one to do this remotely. Well,
1: I think we're just as honored to have someone who's of your caliber be on the yeah, show, period. Oh.
0: Yeah. Well, now that makes me feel. Just sad for you. <laughs>
2: we, we, just, we just, love so many of the things on your, uh, on your LinkedIn. We're like, wow, this guy's super cool. You just ruined it for him. I know. it's, just, it's, it's Dude, just one of those things that like just,
1: that just gave away who listens to our podcast.
2: You know, here, here's the thing. Like I, a lot of times, you know, because we, we uh, like Frankie works in conventions a lot. I'm press in a lot of conventions, and I, I always realize that I'm like, see that guy with like a line around the corner yeah. and then, and then see that girl who's a super hot actress from a movie that let's say like a big movie, like Terminator four or something. Yeah. And I'm like, see how nobody wants to talk to her. <laughs> that guy is a rock star in this convention. Yes, he is. <laughs> so it's all, it's, it's all, awesome. all just in your community. So yeah. you're a rock star with us.
0: Well, thank you. I appreciate it. I do. I, 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 I Appreciate uh, very much, and it's fun to come on and any you know any time um, you know maybe we'll we'll hit you again when we have you know um, some more stuff uh, under our belt and uh, you know
1: oh we'll definitely keep an eye out for sure yeah oh hey yeah. even even next time you're in Vegas hit us up yeah. we'll we'll do a live interview <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> at, a, it, at a convention I, whatever Honestly, kind of I, I say this out loud to my wife every once in a while like we haven't been to Vegas in a long time and she T- doesn't say. She... I'll tell you what, like he, uh, Richard over here said, uh, I work for a lot of the uh, Las Vegas conventions, yeah. trade nice. info. If you want me to uh, level ups too soon, but uh, I work for ShineCon and Savicon. If you want to go and look at those, uh, their websites, tell me. Oh. Uh, you can email Richard and uh, yep.
1: get, uh, give him your info and yeah. he'll give you my infos and we can talk about having you show up at one of the conventions if you want
0: yeah that'd be great i i really have been sort of uh, wanting to go back to vegas at some point to humiliate myself (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah thanks a lot guys i really appreciate it thank you no no problem thank you
2: thanks eric take care guys Bye. bye